Welcome to Doctor Who on Target. Podcast where we discuss the target range of classic Doctor Who novelizations from the 1970s and 80s. Those long ago days where, if you missed Doctor Who on TV, you missed it forever. Unless, of course, you bought the target novelization. So, join us, jump aboard the TARDIS, set the time rotor for late 20th century Earth, and with a wheezing, groaning sound, We'll discuss Doctor Who on Target. Hello and welcome to Doctor Who on Target. This is David in Chelmsford. And this is Greg in Swansea. And this podcast we're going to be looking at The Eaters of Light by Rona Munro. Last podcast... You asked me to whet your appetite about this story, and I did so by saying that Rona Munro is the first writer to make the transition from classic to new Who. And so the first thing I need to find out from you, Greg, is whether or not the episode fulfilled its seeming promise. Well, I was very much looking forward to this, and especially um, to know that Rona Munro has become, since she wrote the, the last classic Doctor Who story, um, um, a playwright of some note, isn't she? I think mm. she's um, she's you know got a very good reputation, and I just thought this would be very interesting. And I also rather liked the, the premise which I read about the this the lost legion set in Scotland and the strange. And I got I do love the title. The Eaters of Light is a great title. Unfortunately, I watched this um, last night. At uh, about midnight and so it was all set the scene was set the lights were off I had my headphones on and uh, I was really looking forward to this and I have to say I was very very disappointed I, I could even say I only perked up again when the Moffat written sort of epilogue came on at the end of the <laughs> the end of the story, which is, considering what I've been saying about Moffat in the last few episodes, is quite a shock, really. Is, but Yes, that is. He's been damned by faint praise today, hasn't he? Yeah, yes, he has. <laughs> I, I mean, you're, you were looking forward to this as well, David, didn't you, I think, this one? Well, I was indeed, because I'd enjoyed Empress of Mars an awful oh, lot, yes. and I described that one as a romp, if you remember. And I yeah. think... If I'd been pushed for a pithy one-word summation of this new episode, I'd probably describe it as solid. Now, Mm. I'm not sure if that's an enthusiastic description or not, but it seemed to me to have elements of classic Doctor Who in there, which I quite enjoyed. Right. It was good that it was a historical story. It was set near set near Aberdeen in the 2nd century AD. It was my understanding that the um, historical mystery that underpinned the drama was actually true. I also thought another very positive thing that we found early on in the episode was that in character development terms, 
Bill's confidence has grown to such a state under the doctor's tutelage that she's now pitting her knowledge against his concerning mm. the fate of the Ninth Legion. Yes. And, and there was another funny little reference in there because Nardole's inability to understand why the doctor did not achieve the very highest level of vestal virginity was also quite amusing. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it started okay. Yeah. I thought that was, yeah. that was all positive. If I was thinking about influences for the story, aside, of course, from survival, which is the obvious one, it, it all seemed very, very familiar. But um, it was like every werewolf film you've ever seen, and it even went for close-ups on clouds drifting across the moon just to sell that <laughs> illusion. So it was like the American werewolf in London or the howling or something mm. like that. We did think that we were dealing with a werewolf, or at least I thought I was until the actual creature appeared, and that seemed to me to be a bit more reptilian. I think the tone of the show um, was something which I, I, you know, I found rather confusing. I mean, going back to the setup, I mean, we've got, uh, you know, a very experienced playwright of some stature, not just a playwright, of course, you know, TV writer mm. as well, of some stature, we have one of my very favourite Doctor Who directors, and Charles Palmer, um, who, of course, directed... Um, did he not direct Oxygen he did, as well? He did indeed, yes. He, he directed uh, Oxygen. And he did a fabulous job of that. He's done several other David Tennant stories. I think Human Nature, what was the other one? Yeah, Family yeah. of Blood, wasn't it? Mm. Which are absolutely classic. So... I I was rare, raring to go for this one, and um, I thought, as I say, I did like that little bit of banter at the beginning between uh, Bill because uh, I, I believe she said um, she said she got an A star for history. I think didn't yes, she? yes, she read the book. I've read yeah, the book. I, <laughs> I like yeah, that's <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, it was it was a nice little setup. I think the problem started to set in. After we've established ourselves on the on the mountains, there, um, it took me a little bit by surprise because I actually recognised the very spot where they were standing on the top of that mountain right. range, and um, it's actually in Wales. It's in the Brecon Beacons, and it's very famous. Actually, that spot there, it's a, it's a heck of a walk. Well, not for you, David. You 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 know, but. For, for, for me and mortals like myself, it's a heck, but I've gone orienteering with friends up there a few times. And it's actually, I thought it was quite, I think I'm using the right word, prescient, because um, that spot is quite famous. It's actually um, marked as a war grave because um, some poor um, Air Force crew, there's, there's a Wellington bomber on its way back from... Uh, well, from Berlin or somewhere in, in Germany where they've been having to, you know, engage in combat there. And they came back over um, the Brecon Beacons and unfortunately got caught in the fog and this Wellington bomber crash-landed there, killing all the crew on board. Mm. And it's still there. You can go and say, and there's, there's a, a, you know, a, a, a memorial put up there. And it's very touching actually to see the, the that bomber right on top of this huge mountain in the breath and beacons mm. but i thought it was quite interesting because of course we've got that lost bomber squadron there and of course we've got this lost 
legion from thousands of years ago. But anyway, I thought that was quite interesting. But I, li- I liked your use of the word banter there to describe the opening. And something else I also liked, and you touched upon it, was the extensive use of location filming. Now, I understand yeah. that for you, the familiarity of the scene perhaps made it harder to suspend your disbelief. But to somebody without that local knowledge like myself, it seemed just like an expansive landscape. Oh. I, I could tell it wasn't Scotland, but it did, it did look very good on screen. And after the appropriate colour grading, it did sort of root it very firmly in the past. So I yes. enjoyed that. I mean, I saw a film, just to digress briefly, I saw a film about Churchill the other week with um, right. Brian Cox, and that was filmed on location in Scotland in 24 days flat. So an incredibly quick turnaround. And there was a scene in it where, I think it was Eisenhower, it was Ike, he was up on Calton Hill in Edinburgh by the National Monument. But he was supposed to be on the south coast of England. And Ah. I just sat there in the cinema thinking, hang on, why has he gone to Scotland? Why has he gone to Scotland? This doesn't make sense. That's the National Monument. Why is Eisenhower meeting Churchill on Calton Hill? And there are just times, Greg, when you have to park the fact that you know where the location is and just kind of take it at face value and engage with the story being told. And I, I, as I say, I I connect fully with your feelings because I'd had those same feelings over a location that I recognise. But on balance, I thought it was great to see an episode with so much location filming in it. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, there was even though, you know, like you say, your familiarity with the Scottish mountains that you saw there, it didn't really take you out of it, I suppose. And I'm, you know, I'm not really criticising it for that. I think it did look lovely. And like you say, they sort of desaturated the colour mm. and they made it look quite um, a bit grimy, didn't it? And a bit, uh, um, well, a bit colder, I think. Yes, <laughs> you know, cold, looked, yes. yes yeah. It was a barren, bleak landscape, wasn't it? Absolutely, and, and yes. Sight yeah. of so much death as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, well, this was it. I mean... It was from that moment we had, um, I tell you what really sort of put my nose out, were the talking ravens or really? crows. Yeah, yeah. Oh. When I started, the problem is when when I got that, instead of having the, I think the intended um, effect of that was to make people feel, oh, that's creepy, that's scary, that, you know, which normally it did, but it ju- it just it just made me laugh. I don't really? know why. It just yeah, it didn't um, come across really well at all. Especially considering we had Face the Raven in the last season with a beautiful use of of um, the Raven there, really scary and frightening. I the problem was for me, I was instantly thrown into the film The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe, mm. which is a very black comedy type bizarre um, battle between these wizards, isn't it, with the, right. with the crow in there. And he's turned into a crow and he's squawking and talking like that. And, right. yeah, I, I I don't know. It, it just didn't work for me. And I think, um, yes. I think as well, the words which were coming to my mind watching this, as we got involved in the story, which could have been fabulous, we had the... Um, she, she obviously finds this Rona Monroe, you know, of great interest, you know, this foreign legion. And I love the 
fact that we've got the opportunity to see what the Romans were like in Britain, what the you know the Celtic warriors were like, the the Scottish what it was, you know I think what are they picts aren't they they were picts they're picts yes yeah yeah I thought that was a great opportunity but it was all I like I say the words coming into my mind and they, I wasn't forced and them were twee it was oh. coming across as uh, it was very much it was more Sarah Jane than full on Doctor Who I oh, felt I see. You know? well twee yeah. means old fashioned. Old-fashioned? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. It, it was... I for a, for a writer of that stature, I expected something with a bit more depth to it. Right. And, right. and I felt that um, this story... I mean, I'll give you an example with the the sexuality scene. We had a nice scene there where um, Bill was trapped underneath with... Um, was it Lucius? Lucius was the gay legion. That she was talking to, she, is that the one she was talking? She thought that he fancied her. No, 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 no. He, she oh. she was talking to who else? Francis. Yes, who, who, the one called so, Grandad. Yeah. And um, there was a lovely opportunity because, of course, the, the Romans, as they were saying, they were very free in their sexuality, isn't it? And sort of uh, uh, they were saying, you know, whatever whatever goes really, isn't it, really, you know, and because they said to her, I believe, you know, did he say something along the lines of, it must be very limiting for you to only like girls or something like right, that. Right, one sex, yes. Yes, that's right, yeah, which I thought was, because she clearly showed, oh, that's an interesting thing, I thought I was a niche, which I quite liked, but it wasn't, I don't know, it, it wasn't as... In depth, maybe as I mean, I don't just mean that bit, but the whole notion of it there wasn't as in depth, you know. And I, I felt, I, I mean, what was that, for example, with the monster? What, what, what did he, what, what did he do exactly? Well, the Eater of Light was sucking, well, presumably sucking all of the soldiers dry, but it seemed to cover them in some sort of black slime. Mm. It was. Um, Yes, it was, it was, I'm not quite sure, it was leaving them husks, wasn't it? Yeah, but that's what I understand, because people haven't got light inside them, have they? I mean, no. you know, there was the, the reference to it, you know, which I thought was lovely. There was another little nice comedy line, wasn't there, David, about Scotland? What was that oh, line? Oh, Death by Scotland, yes, they've been yeah. deprived of sunlight, and Nardo <laughs> says Death by Scotland. Yes, I like that, I like right. that, that was funny. Right, but, but they were saying that this 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 monster eats light. In fact, they even say it goes around eating suns, which seems a bit um, you know a bit incredulous uh, to right. me. But um, but they were saying that. But but they were attacking people right. who haven't got light in them. Right. So what's it sucking out to them? The vitamin D? You know, I, I don't <laughs> don't get it. That's very good. You can you can actually buy that at Boots. Well, <laughs> there we are. You see. Other. Other pharmacists of, are available. <laughs> Instead of pulling um, a bag of popcorn, he could have pulled a, uh, you know, a packet of Boots vitamin D tablets. They I could suppose, have done, but they wouldn't have sparked off in the fire and exploded, would they? That's true. Uh, that's true. And uh, I, I know what I sound like. I sound like a right moaning. You sound like mini. a raven in a huff. That's what you sound like. <laughs> 
I I was very very disappointed. And when we got to the um, the end of this, you know, with the, I I mean before the Missy, um, yes. before they go back from the stars, we got to the end of this actual story, which I've just noticed was very very short. It was this episode, yeah. Yeah, this episode, it says it was only 42 minutes long. Right. Now, the coda at the end was actually about six or seven minutes, wasn't it? Was it? Yes, I, I knew it went on for a bit. Yeah, yeah. so there's hardly anything yeah. in the story. So I'll just, um, before I sort of go, go back to you to sort of um, try and uh, change my opinion or maybe enlighten me as to what I've missed, um, uh, I just felt, you know, when it was coming to the end and we had this, this bit of a, um, what's it called? An epiphany, if you like, from the um, the pict about it's her duty to stand and guard, and they were stopping the doctor. Oh, mm-hmm. it was also too. It was make it, it was actually making me feel sick, like I was watching one of these <laughs> cheap, tacky programs, you know, where it's um, you know, oh, please don't sacrifice it. I must do that for you. It was so amateurish. Well, I, I am going to pick you up on that in a bit. Oh, right. Go on, I, I, I can't go on. I, I stand, talk for too long. Let's, 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 let's rewind to the raven. Not okay. the raven, the crow. Mm. The crow. Well, I think without a shadow of a doubt, the crow's saying car, memorialising car, was supposed to be quite touching it was supposed to be a tugging of the heartstring moment but i can see rona munro did not reckon on your cold heart over this and uh, scored a, a massive miss with with mm-hmm. that particular reference i d- i did find the the fact that homosexuality again came up as a theme of the show quite boring if i'm honest i mm-hmm. i didn't think it was necessary a, a far better theme that you've also touched on was this coming of age because mm. Carr had responsibility far beyond her years, didn't mm. she? She she, she, sort did. of, she had something of a young Nicola Sturgeon about her. She was compact yet feisty. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you're actually... Yeah, quite, I can quite see that, actually. There was, there was a lovely moment when she gave... She gave a speech about the parasitic behaviour of Roman invaders. It could almost have been directed by Mel Gibson, that bit. It was that damning. Just for the doctor to take her down a peg or two by pointing out the convenience of having an indoor toilet. <laughs> so I thought, I thought that was rather rather good. I thought that the, the episode was unashamedly Scottish in tone, mm-hmm. despite the fact that um, it was filmed, as you say, Brecon Beacons. Mm-hmm. And I did. I was more aware than ever of the Doctor's Scottishness, and also that of Missy. It was yes. as if being surrounded by compatriots, they turned a bit more Scottishness on this week. Yeah, their voices went. Uh, they got. They got the, uh, the the sound back a bit, didn't they? I noticed they did, that. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Bill had some very nice moments this mm. week. She. She tied. She tied up that theme of cowardice, didn't she? Which was yes. one of last week's themes as well, because she said being scared was human, but yes. she also said that it shouldn't prevent what was left of the Ninth Legion from seeking a solution to their predicament. So she, mm. in many ways, was showing leadership beyond her years, mm. as well, yeah. and inspiring the others to um, 
to lead and to take responsibility and not to turn their back or hide from the problem. So, yeah. so there was a bit of there was guilt in there. There was guilt over the cowardice again. Guilt was another theme in there. Um, yeah. Very familiar themes. Of course, the other thing that happened was that Bill fell down a hole this week. Oh. And I just got a feeling that in the 21st century, falling down holes is replacing the twisted ankle as the bane <laughs> of a companion's life. I like that. <laughs> Do you know, it's absolutely true, David, isn't it? It's true. Just falls down a hole every week now. <laughs> I will say it was a very good hole last week in, in Empress of Mars. I like that one. Yeah, you were, on, on, you were totally up for her falling down that hole, but you were less <laughs> up for her falling down this hole. But yeah. that's fine. Um, what else was memorable? The tentacle attack. Now, come on, yeah. you, you cannot fail to have been impressed by the tentacle attack. Yeah, it was it was it was quite nice. It was quite eerie with that. Um, it, it sort of wrong footed me a bit because it's interesting. You said, um, "What creature did you say you thought it was?" Well, well, I, I, yeah. well I, I thought you were being strongly directed towards it being a werewolf but it was sort of more of a lizard when you saw its legs wasn't it yeah but when we had the tentacle attack which i will say was nice and eerie i thought it was a, a giant squid it, you know those yes. bioluminescent is that do you think so david yes it, it did have a bit of the squid about it yeah definitely, yeah definitely but i thought it was I don't know, it's really hard. Do you remember when the Doctor just stepped into the rift, for want of a better word, and he saw mm. all of those creatures swimming around and um, they were yeah. quite distant, weren't they? And I thought, well, do you remember the old um, BBC One indent with the hippos swimming in a big oh, circle? Yes. I thought, that's yes. just the hippos again, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So that was your equivalent of my raven moment, is it, where it um, it misfired with the uh, the message it was I just wondered what they were. I wanted to know what they were. They didn't look like anything in particular. So, so far, we think this is a werewolf, a lizard, a squid, and a hippo. So it's steeped in mystery, this creature. And it also should have got its vitamin D from a chemist rather than from people. I, I just don't get if it if it eats suns, it only needs to look upwards as a bleeding great big huge one above its head. You know, <laughs> why, why is it going True. for soldiers? You know, and why is it waiting till it's dark? I don't get. Oh, I don't know. It's a, it, the thing is, I did think you know that this this monster was um, good and bad in parts, depending on which bit of the story and what was going on I, I did like the tentacle part I thought mm. that was very nice mm. and there was actually a scene where it was it was running at full pelt up towards them wasn't it and that, it looked very lizardy then yeah, it's it face very, yeah it's yeah. face looked very good I will say mm. that mm. but even if the creature were let me hark back now to we had a very dubious chicken creature in the one about Vincent van Gogh do you remember right. that yes one? yes I remember Doc uh, Doctor and Vincent? The Doctor and Vincent, that's right. Now, the thing is, that story was utterly fabulous. What a beautiful piece of writing, you know. Yes. So clever. And the fact that we had a little bit of a silly chicken monster in it wasn't a problem at all. It was it was no problem. And I think if the same had happened here, if we'd have had 
a similar quality with the rest of the story. Um, I wouldn't have minded my disappointment with some aspects of the monster, but it, it wasn't it wasn't the realization of the monster because, I, as we both agreed, you know the the tentacles, the lizard appearance were all very very good. It was what's it for? What's it about? It's one of these MacGuffin things again, I suppose. I mean, couldn't surely they have just thought it's something it could have been hungry and it was just eating people because it was stuck there does it mm. does it matter because the bit about the eating of light well it didn't make any sense no to, to me you know what 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 was the point of that what what's car guarding what 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 what's they guarding against it's well, just yes the the she's guarding against the creatures coming through the rift but i'm glad you've brought her up again because I've only just thought of this and of course I've said one of the themes of this was guilt and mm. Carl's sacrifice has to be an act of atonement for the fact that she wiped out most of the ninth and imperiled her own people through her release of that creature so mm. I've been waiting for some atonement to appear now for weeks and I think yeah. that was possibly it so that was that was quite quite a good taking responsibility for your actions is part of growing up, isn't it? Yes. Both yes. legally and morally. Yes, you know, you get yeah. to an age where you can no longer hide behind youth. Yes. And yeah. I, I thought and that I, was good. I thought that was mm, good. I suppose that must be something of it as well, because everybody here was very young, weren't they? Because they were. uh yeah, the, so both sets of warriors um, were very, were very young indeed, and there was I don't know maybe that what was was giving it the, the Sarah Jane vibe, you know. Not that I have anything against Sarah Jane, I think it's an excellent um, children's uh, uh, TV program. You know, I thought it was lovely. I never used to watch it; I only watched a couple. But um, no, it's just that feeling that I had from it. You know, that this was the it's strange, I was about to say the cheap episode, but it clearly wasn't. All that location filming, mm. that, that place where they were filming, that would have been no easy task to get up there to film because that's a you know, that's a major sort of bit of a deployment really to set that up. And mm. um like I say, you know, they had Charles Palmer directing it. It could have I I don't know. It it fell flat. Everything went and I really did feel it was it was twee at the end mm -hmm. and that 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 sickly sweet ending with that. It, it reminded me a little of what was that awful Cyberman one where love conquers oh, all the one with James Corden. That's it. I that's agree it. with you, that, that ending really did suck. It did, didn't it? It was awful. Yeah, there was no way he would have fitted in the cyber suit anyway. He was perfectly safe. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It didn't even look, We've actually seen it. We've been next to it. He would not have fitted in it, David, would he? No, 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 no. No, no it's... I, I, you know, something that... Um, I mean, what's the saying about the vicissitudes of life, you know? But this season in Doctor Who, I'm getting a very vicissitude and a feel to it where I'm being thrown from one extreme of emotion to the next. Yeah. Um, do, do you get that, David? <laughs> oh, that's you, right. We did, mean, when we went to the exhibition, we actually did see a Doctor Who pinball machine, didn't we? This is a, <laughs> this is a metaphor for your yes. experience. 
Oh dear, that's that's how I feel. It's uh, because we had we had knock knock, which was great. We had oxygen, which you know I think we both raved about, mm. and then we started on this awful, um, you know, trilogy, the monk trilogy, mm. which went down and down. I mean, we did pick up a bit towards the end, but we had to fight for that, really, didn't we? Well, I'm glad that you've raised the monk trilogy again. No, no, right. bear with me, bear with me, because. One of the reasons I upped my score on the last episode is that you reminded me of the scene between Bill and the Doctor at the end where Bill says, don't let this be our last conversation. And the truth of it is that she tied the Doctor up to prevent him from interfering with her act of self-slaughter, really, for want of a better word. But the same scenario was almost played out in this episode in that the doctor's saying let me let me let me sacrifice myself i'm the guy with the lifespan to deal with this threat and then bill goes and whacks him over the back of the head yes and i did not like that firstly because it's easily copied violence yeah and secondly because the sixth doctor regenerated as a result of a blow to the head so oh. I, I don't think, I think she should have found, a, I think Rona Munro should have found something better than just bopping him with an archaic weapon. Yes. And, yeah, and so it's yeah. funny how, it's funny how two essentially the same scenarios can be differently received, although it does seem the person who is willing to make the sacrifice needs to be prevented from doing so. So Bill was quite happy to sacrifice herself, but totally unprepared for the Doctor to sacrifice himself. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yes, yeah. No, that's very interesting that you brought that up about sacrifice as well. And the, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I I, I feel, you know, this, um, it, it further, it's further evidence really towards the muddiness of, of this programme, really, this episode, I think, because mm. um, I do think... It's 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 wandered around the place really. Um, I, I like the monster, the point of the monster, what the monster does, what the impact is, is a complete mess. I think there's mm-hmm. nothing, there's no sensible. I mean, it could have just been it's hungry and it's eating, and I think everybody would have been happy with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that would be no problem. Mm. Um, but it's all this other stuff put in, and, and the story. It lent itself so beautifully to being something creepy and scary and suspenseful, and, and it it wasn't delivered in that in that respect. I don't think you know. Mm-hmm. I, I know we we diverge. I think on a you obviously feel stronger towards it than I, I feel do. That but my, I feel that my reception of it has been less prejudicial than yours. Yes, mm-hmm. I feel that I've been able to buy into it better. Although yeah. now you've told me that the monster could have been hungry, I absolutely take your point. It could have been hungry. It didn't have to want to eat light or yeah. planets yeah. or whatever it was eating. It could have just been looking for sustenance because it was wounded and wanted to survive until yeah. it was, say, that... rescued or something by the others or could well, get back know, through the portal. You've just come up with a better scenario than Rona Monroe. Well, I don't think it's an original one. I'm sure it's been done uh, a million times in Doctor Who, but it could have it could have just been waiting, couldn't it? It could have been stranded. It could have been anything. Yeah, because 
I mean, this is how stretched the concept is. I mean, the Eaters of Light refers to nothing else, but that does it is are there two meanings to that title? The Eaters of Light. I truly don't know. I've I've heard of the Lotus Eaters. Yeah. They're people <laughs> who they're people who ate a particular substance in order to live their lives out in a dream state. Yeah. Yeah. Um back to Tennyson again there. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, d- I don't know how you would actually eat light because light isn't edible in my universe, but there you go. Yeah, you know, and like I say, the eaters of light in plural, where we had one and it's something... We had loads edible. behind that, that were going to come through, given half a chance, though, although there's yeah. only a finite amount of light. And as you say, there was always the sun if they felt peckish. Yeah. <laughs> there are lots of suns in this universe that, you know, it would do nobody any harm to gobble a couple of those. It'd be fine, <laughs> I don't know. It it sounds to me like one of those one of those stories where you've come up with a title and gone, oh that that's a good title that could. And then when you've actually gone to do the story, you've gone, oh dear, I wish I hadn't started this. This doesn't make sense. You know, I can't make anything of this. And uh, I think many people would have put that one in the bottom drawer and thought, let's get on with the next one. <laughs> I mean, we. We got Rona Monroe back. There was a lot of fanfare around it, and mm. especially with her playwriting reputation. Mm. Wouldn't it have been great if she could have done something linking back to survival? Because we are talking about the very last uh, episode of the classic series. Mm. She did a great um, battle between the master and the doctor. Mm. She came up with lovely concepts. You know, we had that great scene with the the sun burning in the sky above them and um, she could have done something because the masters being reintroduced next episode she could have done something to link right. into that you know yeah, she, to do she to could. whet our appetite she could but on the other hand she could also have resurrected hail and pace and a can of cat food so you've got to count your blessings <laughs> I do not want Hale and Pace re- resurrected. But much as I probably laughed at them when I was a teenager or you know, in those in those days. Well, I wouldn't have been a teenager, would I? I don't know, I can't remember, but uh, I think they've gone a long, long time, haven't they, Hale and Pace? Well, I suppose they're active at some level still. But yes, certainly yeah. they're 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 beyond the, the um pinnacle of their fame now, yes. Yeah. But they'll always be that. remembered for Doctor Who. That's you know, that's the key to immortality. Absolutely, absolutely. That, I would like, if we could, to talk about that last coda section. Well, we will though. talk about that, but I just want to try and lift you because I can see you're in quite an upset state. Yeah, and I, yeah. I consider it my duty to try and lift you in some way. Not quite okay. sure how I'm going to manage it. One thing that we haven't discussed recently is Peter Capaldi's performance, because we just accept it's going to be excellent as standard. Although mm. there were points in extremists where even he couldn't save it. But there mm. we go. But I thought this this week he was very, very good. He was a little bit more Malcolm Tuckerish than he usually is. Did you notice he had a certain um, sort of barb about him, a certain aggression to his delivery? This yes. week, he said, uh, yeah. do you know what that sound was? That was the sound of my patient shattering into a billion little pieces. Oh, so he, he really lost the... it. He was he was very, very cross. And I enjoyed 
it was like the it was like the um, uh, incredibly older person just kicking off in a kindergarten, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually that was a great line. That was a great scene yeah, actually because scene. that. Yeah, that was sold completely, wasn't it? You could see it. that was so convincing. That that was beautifully done, actually. I like that. And, and, yeah. he, and he took Carr down really well. He, he said, you know, he, he spoke about her kitty face paint and mm. and their weaponry. He insulted them. Yes. I know she had yes. she had pretty poorly applied kitty face paint. Presumably it was charcoal, but she had very well applied <laughs> eyeliner. Which proves that there were other makeup choices available in the second century. I thought, I thought you were you decided to lift me, David. You pointed <laughs> out more problems. It was very nice, her eyeliner. It was fine, <laughs> but we've got to get on to the best line of the show. This will definitely right. lift you. The best yeah. line of the show again went to Bill. She said, "I can't promise you that you won't all die, but I can promise you this: you won't all die in a hole in the ground." Oh, now I thought yeah. she was giving them a bit of tough love there, yeah. But, and I thought that was was a good one. I think she snapped them round. I thought she showed leadership, and mm. I and I did feel that Bill's character again, and she's come very well out of many, 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 many episodes this season. I thought again she she sort of took the honours for some of her delivery and performance. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I. I, I you know, we, we haven't talked much about Peter Capaldi because it's just a given now that he's always fabulous, isn't he? You know, mm. no, like you say, even if he's struggling with some of the material he's given, he's, he's just great. So, and I think, um, although with the initial story, the pilot, I wasn't that taken with it, you know. I think Bill is quite... She's a good character. She's a good actor. She's, um, you know, I've I got no real... Um, Problems. The the only problem I've got, and this is nothing to do with her acting. I'm sure she's doing it exactly as, as it's intended. But you know the well, I was about to say youth speak, but they don't speak oh. like that now, do they? These young people. Well, they've moved um, on, they, have they? I wouldn't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, I don't know that she does the um, she does the F you know, where the th should be. Yes, and sort of doing that upwards inflection at the end of of um, her sentencing all the time, which right. I'm certain, you know, is acting. It's just I find it a bit irritating, you know. <laughs> In classic Who, we didn't have um, companions talking down to the children, you know. Right. I, I think we had people being absolutely on a level. They didn't need to imitate children to pretend no. that they are down and cool with them. Right. And that's the feeling I have from Bill. But not, mm. as I say, it's not, um, you know, Pearl Mackey at all. No. Right. I think she's doing the character she's been given. Mm. But I wonder, you know, like when she was doing some of the things, you know, it did strike, you know, it struck me as, oh, God, it's a bit ace, isn't it? You know that, that yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know that, yeah, exactly. Do you remember Ace? Is all, she was oh, awful, I, she? I thought. Ace was, um, yes, she she was misfiring, wasn't she, poor thing? Oh, dear, dear. I mean, I stopped watching Doctor at that time, but whenever I accidentally caught her, I was like, oh, She God. used to have these cans of squirty cream with the nozzles removed, and they used to be yeah. high explosive, and she used to, 
They were also magnetic, and you could stick them on Daleks, and they would blow Daleks up. It was Nitro 9. Yes. And for some reason, a child terrorist was considered cool in those days. And Do you know, I didn't think of that, David, my... Goodness. Well, she did. She didn't used to go around with a bomb belt, didn't she? Yes. <laughs> At least, well, no, right. she did not a belt, but she used to have them in a rucksack and she used to cause explosions whenever the plot required one. Good gosh, I forgot about so that. So there, now yeah. you see, now you now you can appreciate Pearl Mackey even more. Now you know the uh, lineage of the character well, all the way from AIDS. Yeah, yeah, I hope it's not the lineage. I, as I say, you know... Um, She's a, she's a, as the actor, you know, Pearl Mackey is very, very capable. No problems with that. The character, um, as to her sexuality, I think it's great to have, uh, you know, uh, somebody of, you know, uh, you're saying an, an openly gay yeah. companion is what you're trying to say. Yes, yeah, but. It doesn't really interest me at all, you know. It's it doesn't. Not, uh, it doesn't seem to add to the drama, but perhaps it just creates a talking point and perhaps creates a connection, perhaps with the younger viewers who are struggling with similar issues. I don't know. I've never mm. struggled with those issues myself, but mm. I imagine it's a time of great confusion. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm being a bit unkind. Because you might maybe... be being an old fuddy-duddy. I do know, as as you said that, that it did come to my mind because really... Doctor Who is for everyone, isn't it? And just mm. because there's a character it's who, inclusive. like you say, they could talk to people who are, mm. it's like you say, I'm not going through those issues. And, uh, well, you know, if I did, I'd be 40 years past it, you know. But uh, so, yeah, I, I am. I'm being an old fuddy-duddy there. <laughs> and if that is someone there for people to identify and think about and help, then that's, that's a marvellous thing. And like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm just... Picking on things now. Right. I'm actually quite happy with the character of. Uh, I think of, yes, of, I think that the yeah. Doctor Bill relationship is the best Doctor companion relationship we've had since the Doctor and Donna. Right. I really, I really place Gosh. it that highly. I rate it that highly. Gosh. I wish yeah. the, I wish that Bill had come along quite a while ago. I Gosh, think possibly she... Clara, lovely though she was, perhaps outstayed her welcome. And I know there's a lot of fan vitriol towards her. I don't quite understand why, but um, it's it's sad, really. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. she was, well, it, I guess for her, it was a career-launching job, really. Yes, yeah. Well, she, I mean, for, for Jenna Coleman, she was actually... Um, she was quite a well-known... Well, I didn't know her, but, you know, um, she was in a soap opera. Wasn't she a very popular soap right, opera? Right, right. I don't know yeah. her background, but yeah. there's no there's no doubt that being in Doctor Who raises your profile considerably. Oh, abs- absolutely. And the like opportunity her. she was given was absolutely... You couldn't ask for more. No. You know, she no. was given fabulous opportunities. Indeed. Uh, likewise, Karen Gillan, who ran with it, and she's now quite something in Hollywood. Yeah, isn't she's she? now gone to Hollywood, so it can launch a career. No two ways about that. Yeah, yeah. That's the, and of course, for Jenna Coleman, she, she landed a prize part of the lead in a huge biopic. Uh, Victoria. Victor- mm. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you know, said. Done her no harm at all, is it? None you know? at all. I think it would be quite good to ask you if you noticed the first Doctor link this week. No, you've got I'm me going, thinking. Well, I, no. I can tell no. you, 
Bernardo、yeah, okay. told a story about the disappearance of the crew of the Marie Celeste, and it was because visiting aliens communicated with the crew by ingesting them. Yes, but we、yes. know from the chase that the crew jumped overboard when the Dalek time machine and the Daleks on board overran the ship. Yes. So,、right. so there, there was another little nod, and another little challenge to establish who folklore there, which yeah, I quite、nice. enjoyed. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I like those.、Um, I mean, shall we score it? No, let's do the coda. Right. Okay. Okay. Well,、Go、we、ahead. can score it, but I think the coda is part of the scoring. Oh, I was hoping to do it separate. Okay, all right. Let's no, 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 score it then. Let's score it. Come on. Right. Okay. I'm going to give it, and I have thought about this. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a four. Oh. Yeah. Your words <laughs> wound me. I I well you see, you see the problem is. In my head, I thought, well, absolute bang on average, dull Doctor Who, you know, just a run of the mill would be a five. And yet, I enjoyed this less than some aspects of the Last of the Monk trilogy. Really? Even though, well, I just thought there were some more things to enjoy. Whereas I felt with this, any Doctor Who show where I'm watching it all set up, it's at midnight. I, I'm there. I'm waiting for the atmosphere to take me and to get involved, and I was waiting for it to finish.、Right. And I thought that's that's、oh. just not good, you know. And、no. it may be a fault of mine. I'm not. I'm not、mm. saying that. But、um, well, having、uh, having learned that you consider this story sub mediocre, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel duty bound to、right. award it a strong and stable seven point five. Wow. And I take your point. It had a far lower level of impact than this season's truly outstanding stories, but I can't accept a score of four for this one,、mm, just、yeah. because of those lovely moments that I've pointed out throughout the podcast. So yes,、mm. I'm going seven point five. Wow! Wow! That's that. I mean, that is fabulous because I'm I'm really happy. I I'm happy to know that I'm. You know, in the minority with this. I mean, I I hope it's so. I I sometimes we come across stories which just don't、uh, I don't know don't connect with us, isn't it? You know,、mm. maybe one day in the future I'll watch it again and I'll go, oh, I was wrong. Why didn't、mm. I see all of this? But I felt in the right mood. There was nothing to distract me.、Mm. I was looking forward to it. And、mm. uh, but no, that that is fabulous. Actually,、wow. a seven point five. That's really really nice to well, know. Yes,、um, that's that's what I feel it deserves. Absolutely, and that's absolutely fine. And、um, it's such a pity I couldn't join you with that score. But、um, of course, I have taken the coda bit out of that. I'm scoring it on the、oh. you know the story、oh. bit.、Uh, oh yes, yes, I would have scored it lower had I considered the coda as well. Oh, oh! <laughs> Because, Ooh. and I'll tell you for why. Shall I? Yes, yes I didn't、ahead. like the coda. Right. I think. Was it the coda or was it the、um, coming soon trailer? I didn't like, but it seemed to me that well, perhaps didn't like it is too strong, but I didn't think it added anything because we've seen Missy do the crocodile tear thing before, and we know、mm. she's evil. 
<laughs> the, the good thing about the coda is the doctor gave that wonderful line which I can't remember about the attraction of hope the irresistibility of hope something yes. along those lines and that was a nice moment it's almost as if he knows that she's going to let him down but he cannot stop himself from trying to reform her yes yeah. Tell, yeah. tell me your view on the coda well I, I, I again like you you know the um, you know that um, the bit with Missy crying um, of course like you say of course she's evil and it's all a con of course mm. you know but but that's great, you know, when Roger Delgado or Anthony Amy used to do his thing. We don't, we love that. That's mm. great. But um, I just felt, I felt lifted when they went back up. I mean, I love Missy so much. Just to see her sitting there and going around, I felt, I, I was reinvigorated again. Well, I felt, you know, this is great. We're watching some great performances. She, she, had, some, she had that line about, oh, I'm probably thinking up some evil plan that would be true to form and i thought you're hiding in plain sight me old lovely you're hiding in plain sight you know this is it this is it you know there was um, there was more fun to be had whereas i felt the uh, you know it was it, it's terrible i'm gonna say i felt relieved to be in the tardis with missy and uh again you see i found going into the tardis a retrograde step because i had so enjoyed the locations of the episode gosh yeah i was yeah. so pleased the tardis hadn't appeared internally at all yeah that's interesting isn't it it's, uh, because somebody um in a review i think had mentioned the fact that in in the in the mccoy era we never were inside the tardis no there was a little bit in greater show in the galaxy wasn't there but they never really oh there was something in dragonfire was in the tardis but no they didn't really have the set after the first season yeah, yeah, and they just used to launch straight. The TARDIS would be there, out they'd come. Yeah, out and they'd they come. Just, and that was um, replicated here, wasn't it, until we got to the end. Mm, and then we went and indoors. Then we went indoors, yeah, yeah. The trailer was, I mean, I, I didn't, it was a little bit underwhelming, I felt, you know. It well, was, I thought it was, it was sub-underwhelming. Yeah, I thought, yeah. oh my good Lord. Has Missy really been reduced to some sort of Eliza Doolittle in space, being tutored to mix in polite company? Yes. You yeah, know, I, yeah. I thought, no, if we wanted Pygmalion, we'd have bought a ticket for Pygmalion, thank you. <laughs> That's very true, actually, David, very true. So they go going to put Missy to the test for, for what purpose is this? Well, to reintegrate her into society, I expect. To see if she right. can, I don't know, it might be, as I say, I've mentioned Pygmalion. Pygmalion? Yeah. yeah. It might be a bet. I mean, the whole business of Eliza Doolittle is is um, a bet between Professor Higgins and his friend. And there's some oh. really piffling sum of money resting on it as well. It could be really? as inconsequential as that, I don't know. Mm. Uh, but mm. it might have, you, you know, it might badly backfire, this training it might, you know, I don't believe for a second that she's reformed. Not for no. one second. No. Well, I mean, I've just bought this week's Radio Times and it's got a lovely, very, very moody photo mm. of um, Peter Capaldi on the front cover right. with his guitar. And there's obviously something on his mind. 
and it's looking great. And, and the, it says on there, Doctor Who finale begins. Who's next? Mm. Peter Capaldi, Stephen Moffat and Michelle Gomez prepare to say goodbye to Doctor Who. Now, oh. that's interesting because surely they're saying goodbye at Christmas. Well, that's the rumour that the change will happen before Christmas. Oh, is that's it really? That's the rumour. We don't know. We don't know. Oh. But that is, that is, well, maybe they're just wrong-footing you. Wow. You know what Moffat's like. He does like a bit of misdirection. Mm. Mm. I wonder if, so this episode on Saturday that's coming up, what's, what's it called, David, again? It's um, called the... I truly don't know. It's called World Enough and Time. Really? Yeah. I wonder it's what that means. Mm. Trapped on a giant spaceship and caught in the event horizon of a black hole, friendship drives the Doctor to make one of the rashest decisions of his life. Can mm. he redeem his mistake? Mm. Mm. And we've got, um, yeah, John Sims in it, playing the Master, mm. and Michelle Gomez playing Missy. Now, I was under the impression that Missy is the Master, because that's what we were led to believe. Yeah, but perhaps so, she isn't. Perhaps yeah. she's the master. Is that what you think? Is well, I always, I always thought that Missy was a female master, but they might be brother and sister by next week. Who knows what's on Muffet's <laughs> mind? This is the I'm going to be so embarrassed now if they are brother and sister. Oh, <laughs> can but you imagine? You can... Now you've said it, you've got me thinking now, David. <laughs> I'm only saying brother and sister because Moffat did the whole um, Sherlock and sister thing in the episode oh. at the end of season four which i referenced last week in in um or two weeks ago i should say in in reference to um the missy cell and her stradivarius stroke piano in there yes and, uh, yeah i don't this know let's hope, well, let's hope they're not brother and sister yes well that's because i don't want i've, I've said the word twee about four times in this podcast i don't want to have to say it again because it's not one of my favorite words it's going to be twee if they are brother and sister isn't it mm. it's going to be a dear dear it is indeed well yeah. anyway well let's agree to disagree on the eaters of light and yeah. let's look forward to saturday's episode and take it from there excellent that's a great idea that's a great idea well we'll um we so we'll 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 draw a conclusion on that or we'll draw a veil over it i think <laughs> That's how I feel. A Vestal Virgin veil. Oh, oh, very good, yeah. very good, yes. See, that would make an interesting <laughs> little uh, side scene, wouldn't yeah. it? Well, <laughs> any, anyway, we will be reviewing next Saturday, David. No, next Sunday, David, won't we? We'll be yes. up next Sunday, and uh, we'll get this out um, right on time, because we, we've got to be bang on time now for the finale, the, well, the two finale episodes of Doctor Who coming up. So we do hope everybody will join us next time. That's great. Thank you, David, and see you next week. Please tweet us at Doctor Who on Target. That's DR Who on Target. Or email us at Doctor Who on Target at gmail.com. That's the end of this episode, and I would like to thank BBC Audio and Penguin Random House for kindly supplying us with preview copies and to Smerin's Antisocial Club for the use of their version of the Doctor Who theme tune. The biggest thank you goes to you, our listeners.